It's my favorite time of the year. We get to talk about cap savings and contract restructures. Let's go. You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdet Nation and Houdet family? I'm your host, Ross Jackson, New Orleans native, your New Orleans Saints expert and credentialed member of the media covering those New Orleans Saints as a senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network. And on today's episode of Locked on Saints, we're going to take a look back at one of Dennis Allen's comments about the potential of changing some draft fits. We're going to focus on wide receiver and how expanding the wide receiver prototype could give the New Orleans Saints their next big playmaker at the position. We're also going to take a look at the offensive coaching staff that's been announced, including a new coach that we hadn't yet heard about, an assistant wide receivers coach that adds a little bit of context to that upcoming conversation around draft fits. But we're going to get everything started today with my favorite topic of all time, salary cap cut downs and contract restructures as the New Orleans Saints save over $7 million making a quick move with center Eric McCoy. We appreciate you very much making Locked On Saints a part of your day and a part of your routine for being here with us as your first listen every day. And of course, for being an everyday or here on the show and as a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Saints is brought to you by friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more with America's number one sports book. Right now, new listeners can, or new listeners, new users can get $150 in bonus bets if they win their first $5 bet, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. All right. It's that time. Salary cap restructures, contract restructures, salary cap cutting times. If you've not been here with the show before during this time of the season, this is when I get super nerdy and this is when I get big time into contract numbers and things like that and breaking it down for you. This is like one of my favorite things in the world to do. So let's get it. So um, New Orleans Saints, somewhere around, let's call it 75 to $85 million over the salary cap. In order for them to get under the salary cap, it's going to be much easier for them to keep players around rather than cut players. So usually you're talking about teams that are looking at like, okay, what player can we cut to save a little bit of money and things like that? There's not a lot of those options for the New Orleans Saints because of how they manage their salary cap. They have an allocation of dead money that they pull into the next year and into future years every year. There's basically a percentage, doesn't really matter whose names are there for them. It's just kind of a percentage of money that they roll over and all that kind of stuff and kind of, you know, push into future years or kick the can down the road, as they like to say, or as, you know, critics like to say. Uh, But this is the way that the Saints do it. This is the way that the Vikings do a bit of this. The Eagles do a bit of this. The Rams do a bit of this. The Steelers do a bit of this. A lot of teams do this kind of stuff. So today, what the New Orleans Saints did this morning, Thursday morning, uh, was save $7.18 million against the salary cap and their overage by restructuring Eric McCoy's contract. Now, Eric McCoy was an obvious restructure candidate. He's only 26 years old. He's only been in the league since 2019. He's one of their best players on the offensive line. He's one of their best young, talented players. He's not going anywhere. They just gave him a fresh contract the year before. Like This is the perfect contract to restructure because some of the critiques that come in about restructuring contracts is when you restructure your you know, 33-year-old players or your 34-year-old players and things like that, pushing 
future money or pushing money into future years for guys that might be around for one or two more years. That's usually where kind of the the dead cap conversation becomes a, a big problem. This is not that. 26 years old, Eric McCoy is not going anywhere. He was already under contract through 2027 anyway. So this was a good move for them. So how did they do it? How do you how do you take this contract of Eric McCoy's, do something to it, and somehow save seven million dollars? Here's how it all works: the salary caps of players or the cap hits of players are usually made up of a couple of different things. The first of which is their base salary, so the amount of money that they're guaranteed per year. The other, or not guaranteed, but that they're paid per year, and those those averages uh, those aren't an average over the course of a lifetime of the contract. It can it can raise, it can lower on a year-to-year basis, all that kind of stuff. Um, the next thing are any bonuses, so roster bonuses, workout bonuses, things like that. Um, and then the last big piece is, side, it, 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 we'll call it proration amounts. So when you give somebody a signing bonus, like if I gave you, if you have, if, if I sign you to a contract as an NFL team and you've got five years on the contract and I give you a $5 million signing bonus, first of all, um, I'm not doing good by you at all. Say no, renegotiate with me. But just for the sake of ease of numbers, I give you a a $5 million roster bonus over the course of five years. You get that $5 million averaged out into game checks throughout the regular season, all in the first year. However, I only have to pay $1 million per year. It's averaged out evenly over the course of the lifespan of that contract. So what the Saints will do here is that they'll take the base salary, And then in Eric McCoy's case, his bonus, his roster bonus, which was already going to be guaranteed money anyway, because he was going to be on the roster. That's what a roster bonus is. If you're on the roster at a certain date, you get that money. It's guaranteed. So that one was pretty easy. So you take the roster, you take the base salary, and then you take the roster bonus, and then you convert those into signing bonuses. Now, I can't convert 100% of your base salary. That wouldn't be fair. So what I have to do instead is take your base salary reduce it all the way down to veteran minimum. And then the difference in between that, I can turn into a signing bonus and spread over the course of the life of the contract. So what the Saints did with Eric McCoy's $9.6 million contract is that they reduced it to one point, we'll call it just $1.1 million. It's 1.125, but we'll just call it $1.1 million. Then the difference of that, which is right around $8.9 million, I can spread out over the course of the remainder of your contract or Eric McCoy's contract and then save myself some money in this year. There's still some piece of that that has to be paid here in 2024 in addition to the re- you know the, the the reduced base salary. So that's why you don't save exactly 8.9 million dollars or whatever. You end up saving instead some piece of that minus a fifth. So what the Saints did was that they took the 9.6 million dollar base salary, they reduced it to 1.125 million dollars. They took the fifty thousand, the five hundred thousand uh, dollar roster bonus, added that in, and then they spread that out over the course of five years. Now there were only four years left on Eric McCoy's contract, so they added a void year in twenty twenty eight, so that they can get the maximum uh, sort of average or get the maximum savings out of this move. And then so that reduced everything from spending just over ten million dollars in terms of the total cap hit of Eric McCoy in twenty twenty. What year is it? Twenty twenty four. Uh, to spending just about $1.7, $1.8 million instead. So they save $7.18 million on getting that deal done. So that's the way that this all works. Um, 
the where does that leave the New Orleans Saints? They were somewhere between 75 to $85 million over the salary cap. We still haven't gotten the official salary cap numbers yet. So what I would say is that now after this $7 million reduction, they're still at best north of $60 million, at worst north of $70 million over the salary cap. So still a lot of work to be done, but a lot of avenues to go through to get that work done as well. So this is just the very, very beginning of what's going to be more and more and more restructures over the course of the next couple of weeks as the Saints try to get under the salary cap by that March 13th, March 16th deadline as the new year begins. All right, new league year begins, not the actual new year. All right, so that's what they did with Eric McCoy. Next, we're gonna take a look at the full announcement of the New Orleans Saints offensive coaching staff, including one new addition that I think moves the needle for you just a little bit. We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This segment is brought to us by our sponsor, BetterHelp. Look, everybody at some point needs the opportunity to get something off your chest. Big or small, certain things can really begin to add up, so it's important to let all that out, especially to somebody that's unbiased in your life. So today, I want to say something about how I feel, and you might be feeling the same way as well. As these New Orleans Saints salary cap restructures begin, I get excited because I love breaking them down and talking about them. However, I also know that it's going to be met with a bunch of folks that don't understand how the salary cap is met from the big talking networks and things like that, all talking about how the New Orleans Saints are going to have to take their medicine and blah, 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 blah. Just, just stop. Like, if you don't know how the salary cap works, just say you don't know how the salary cap works. It's fine. It's okay. It's not a Ponzi scheme. Get over it. Therapy can be different for everybody, by the way. It's not just the, you know, everybody, we got bigger problems in our life than our favorite football teams and things like that. And it's important to get those things off your chest every once in a while. So if you've been thinking about therapy, make sure to give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's built to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on to get started. All right, family, the New Orleans Saints announced six additions to their offensive coaching staff, and it's looking like the coaching staff moves are finally kind of coming to an end. Everything looks to be settled in. So let's update this and also take a look at a new coach that should move the needle for you a little bit. So I appreciate you very much, as always, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget to go and check out Locked on Sports today on YouTube. It's YouTube's first ever national sports 24 7 stream make sure you go and check it out it's awesome once again you can subscribe to locked on sports today on youtube to check out that first ever national sports 24 7 stream today all right so the saints put out the announcement they they sent it to us in in the media and then they also like tweeted a bunch of stuff out as well uh shared a bunch of stuff on social media about the six new additions to their coaching staff five of which we already were expecting one of which is a new addition i want to start off with what we already what we already know. So the the announcement said that John Benton is coming in as the offensive line coach. We knew that that was probably one of the first ones. Like after Clint Kubiak was hired, I think it was Luke Johnson over at NOLA.com had put the news out that very likely John Benton was the guy. He was he was the top candidate at offensive line coach. He's the guy that comes in and has done some really good work in both the run game and in pass protection in years and years and years with the, you know, he was with the San Francisco 49ers, he was with the Houston Texans, he was with the uh, the New York Jets for a year, things like that. So he's got a really good track record in terms of what it is that he brings in bolstering the run game and bolstering uh, the pass. Uh, Rick Dennison is coming in as the senior offensive assistant. Now, Rick Dennison's an interesting one. He spent time with 
the Kubiaks all the way back to, you know, he spent some time in Denver, spent some time with the uh, Vikings. He actually came in to Denver and took over the offensive coordinator role in Denver after Clint Kubiak's dad, Gary Kubiak, left from Denver and went to um, went to Houston. So like these guys have all kind of been around each other a bunch uh, over the course of the past few years. Um, he's coming in as a senior offensive assistant. The original report from Bleacher Report was that it was going to be that he was going to be coming in as run game coordinator. This is just a difference of title. I would imagine that even with him coming in as a senior offensive assistant, his focus is very much going to be on the run game, working with the running backs, working with the offensive line. Those are positions that he's coached before. He's been an offensive coordinator before. He's got a ton of experience as well. So this should be another good addition. It's going to be interesting to see how John Benton, Rick Dennison. The thing that's really interesting is like you see these guys all working together and they're all sort of these like, you know, veteran guys that have been around the NFL with decades long experience, everything like that. And then they're working with this 37 year old offensive coordinator. So dynamic's going to be really interesting. But in the NFL, you see this kind of stuff all the time. So it's just, it, it's just an interesting talking point, if nothing else. Um, Derek Foster coming in as a running backs coach doesn't really have a ton of connection to a bunch of the coaching staff like a bunch of the other guys do. So he's one of the guys that's coming in along with Keith Williams at wide receivers coach. That's kind of the fresh perspective. Derek Foster most recently was the running backs coach with um, with the Los Angeles Chargers, got some good work out of Austin Eckler. I know the production in terms of numbers really wasn't there in 2023, but Austin Eckler and Alvin Kamara effectively did the same things last year uh, in terms of stats. However, Austin Eckler's uh, usage was a lot more what you'd like to see Alvin Kamara's usage look like. So I think that that's the thing that you're kind of pinpointing. It's not Derek Foster's choice how the running back is used on the field. But if the Saints can look at Derek Foster, see the work that he's done with Austin Eckler, getting him ready for that dual threat, scat back, change of pace, pass catcher out of the backfield, can line him up in the slot, line him up out wide kind of work, and that he was doing that with somebody, then it seems to suggest that the Saints are hiring Derek Foster to help get the running backs ready to do that same type of role. And I mentioned Alvin Kamara, but of course that's work that would happen with Kendra Miller as well. And then we'll see where things lie with Jamal Williams, but obviously some good stuff for you to have there too, as the Chargers had to, and Derek Foster had to get Austin Eckler and a guy that was a little bit more of a power back in Joshua Kelly ready to go in tandem each of the last few years. So I think that that goes a long way in terms of your projection of like, how does this guy help? Um, Keith Williams, we broke down in yesterday's episode, I think, maybe the episode before, but he's somebody that's got a lot of experience uh, with working with, you know, young receivers and getting great things out of them. Had, you know, Zay Flowers praised him like crazy. He was the guy that was also the wide receiver coach at Fresno State when Derek Carr was the quarterback there. He's done some, you know, according to Nick Underhill over at New Orleans.football, he's done some private work with guys like Tyreek Hill. Uh, and uh, uh, Devontae Adams, of course, with that Fresno State connection and everything. I think what you look at with Keith Williams isn't necessarily the production in terms of numbers, but do the guys run the routes well? Are they where they need to be? Are they you know, cluttering up different areas? Are they getting in and out of their breaks easily, quickly? Um, are they as using, establishing and using leverage against their opponents? Are they getting good releases off the line of scrimmage? They have a variety of releases that they can use off the line of scrimmage. All of those things tend to be true. Whether you're looking at Odell Beckham Jr., who's been doing it for a while, or Zay Flowers, who just entered the NFL uh, last year. Remember that name, by the way, because we're going to come back to that in the next segment. Keith Williams, Zay Flowers, all that. And then the other one that we know for sure as well now is uh, Andrew Janako, um, who is going to be coming in as the quarterback coach 
uh, or Janoko, excuse me. I always said Janoko. It's Janoko. My apologies. And yesterday I said Cliff Kingsbury, which I told y'all like two weeks ago, I was going to do and I was going to do it often. So I came through with my promise, I guess. Cliff, King Cliff Kingsbury, of course, does not exist. Clint Kubiak indeed does. Uh, but Andrew Janoko, not Janoko, um, is coming in as a quarterback's coach. Did some great, did some nice things with Kirk Cousins. Is really kind of a master of, like kind of a mastermind of the quick passing game and stuff like that, which translates really well to this Kubiak Shanahan system and everything. So that's going to be a very good addition for the New Orleans Saints and for Derek Carr as well. And for the offensive line, because you're getting the ball out quickly. That does help the offensive line also. All right. The new addition, Denarius McGee. Now, Denarius McGee is uh, an addition that I really, really like. Um, he most recently spent time with the Houston Texans. So if you remember correctly, one of the other top candidates for New Orleans this past year as they were going through that offense coordinator search was Gerard Johnson, the Houston Texans quarterback coach. One of the things that we liked about that is that Gerard Johnson was working with Bobby Slowick there in, in Houston, who came from that Shanahan tree. Um, he was connected to the Frank Reich tree coming in with the Colts um, early on in his coaching career. He was also connected to the Sean McVay tree as well, working with Kevin O'Connell. Um, now you get a guy at assistant wide receivers coach, a new position for New Orleans here um, in McGee that was working with the Houston Texans last year and got some really, really good things out of those wide receivers in conjunction with having a rookie quarterback there. Nico Collins looked really good last year as well. Um, he finished with 80 uh, catches, 1,297 yards and eight touchdowns. Uh, you also saw Tank Dell have you know a really really fun year as well. I know he was dealing with some he was dealing with some injuries and things like that as well throughout his time, but he was a guy that came in sort of had this stature that a lot of people kind of like shook a stick at five eight one hundred sixty five pounds, and then they were like, oh well, he's never really going to be able to do anything in the NFL, yada yada. And then he blew up during the uh, Senior Bowl, blew up more during the Combine, and then got in this past year and had uh, a pretty good season uh, for himself. Uh, 47 receptions for 700, 709 yards and seven touchdowns in only 11 games. Um, yards per target were at nine and a half. I mean, the guy did a lot of really good stuff. So uh, I, I really like this addition. And I think that the combination of Denarius McGee as well as Keith Williams gives you the ideas around how the mold at wide receiver could be changing, which Dennis Allen hinted to in his NFL report uh, appearance earlier this week. So let's get to that now. Let's talk about these wide receivers and what it could mean if the Saints shift the prototype, shift the mold just a little bit and how it could lead to them landing their next big playmaker at wide receiver. We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked On Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Saints is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and our official sports betting partner here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Did you know that the New Orleans Saints have the fifth best odds to draft Oregon quarterback Bo Nix? Did you know they also have the sixth best odds, according to FanDuel, to draft Brock Bowers, the big tight end out of Georgia? I'm cool on either of those guys. I'm good. Move on. But if you like those odds or you want to check out any of the other great NFL draft odds or, of course, with the NBA season having tipped off, you can get in on all of the NBA action and, of course, shoot your shot with America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets by simply winning your first $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet 
wins, then you can take that and embed on all your favorite NBA players, teams, NFL draft odds, whatever it is you're looking for, including quick bets, live same game parlays, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. Let's take a look at how the New Orleans Saints potentially reshifting or reframing their prototype at wide receiver could lead to them landing their next big time playmaker at the position. Appreciate you as always for being here with us. Don't forget we are your team every day. So we're going to continue this conversation in tomorrow's episode. We're going to take a look at quarterback and offensive line. And then of course, getting you caught up with any big news around the New Orleans Saints as well. So make sure you come back for that in tomorrow's Friday episode here unlocked on Saints. So I, I want to take a look at something that came up during Saints head coach Dennis Allen's appearance with uh, Steve Weish as well as James Palmer over on the NFL report where he was asked about the NFL draft specifically, though I do think that this applies to free agency too, but he was asked about the NFL draft specifically about how like now having Clint Kubiak, now having this system, now having these this offensive coaching staff revamped, reframed, renewed, that they might also revamp, reframe, renew what they look at for draft fits since the scheme is going to be different. And Dennis Allen was in lockstep with that, kind of agreed with that, discussed sort of how in 2015, 16, they did the same thing on the defensive side. So realizing their identity on the offensive side of the football in their new system should lead to some potential changes in draft fits. So if we look at what the Saints prototype has been at the position before, the coaches that they've recently added and the receivers that they've worked with and excelled with, I think that it gives us a really good idea of maybe what it could look like if the Saints reframed their prototype at wide receiver. Getting Keith Williams, getting Denarius McGee, you can see that there's some success there with bigger wide receivers like Rashad Bateman, like Nico Collins, but also some undersized, quote unquote, receivers as well, guys like Zay Flowers guys like Tank Dell. So let's break it all down. If we think about how the Saints have drafted, really like you can go back as far as like Meacham, like Robert Meacham, Devery Henderson, all that. But if we look at how they've drafted in the last decade and a half with wide receivers, there's a trend, right? You think about Meacham, you think about Henderson, you think about Michael Thomas, Marcus Colson, A.T. Perry, um, even guys like Trey Quan Smith, Quan Baker, even though he was drafted late, late, late in the draft, these are all guys that are six foot one or more, 200 pounds or more. They're big body X receiver types. The exceptions have been when there's world-class speed, that's a part of it. Okay, I don't want to call it world-class speed, but when there's dynamic speed that maybe makes you be okay with the size because you're getting the speed. So you think about the two sort of uh, more, I don't want to call them undersized, but more undersized or outside of the framework type of receivers that they've drafted in the recent past. Brandon Cooks, who of course cooked when it came to his speed. Chris Olave, who ran like a 4.39 during his time at the Combine just two years ago. Both of those guys, in, in Brandon Cooks's case, it was a question of height and weight. In Olave's case, not necessarily a question of height, but it was a question of weight. And then he bulked up over the course of the offseason last year, all of those other things. And they've also been okay with going smaller at undrafted free agent, right? Deontay Harris, now Hardy, um, guys like um, uh, uh, Rashid Shahid, even, you know, a, a smaller frame, slimmer frame, even though he, he checks the height box and everything. So you can kind of see where things are a little bit different or, or where things get a little bit set. It's either big body or world-class speed. And you can add Deontay Hardy Harris into that. You can add 
um, you can add Rashid Shaheed into that without a doubt in terms of world-class speed. So now let's take a look at what guys like Keith Williams and Tank Dell, excuse me, and um, uh, Denarius uh, McGee have worked with. Zay Flowers, five foot nine, 192 pounds, 442 speed. Low 44s, which is very, very fast, but not the game break, not, I don't want to say it's not game breaking, but not the 4-3 that we've seen, the 4-3s that we've seen Chris Olave, you know, Deontay Hardy would be in that category. Rashid Shaheed would probably be in that category as well, uh, for sure, actually. And then Brandon Cooks was in that category. So not necessarily there, but good speed. Um, Tank Dell, 5'8", 165 pounds, very undersized, 449 speed. So nearly 44, nearly 45 when it came to Tank Dell. But they found massive success with both of those receivers in their first years. So now if we think about that and we say, okay, let's expand the Saints prototype and not rule out the sub 5'11", sub 6 foot, sub 200 pound guys, that opens the door for some very, very good players in this year's draft. One of the guys that we've talked about a bunch over the course of this past couple of weeks, really since the Senior Bowl, uh, is Western Kentucky University wide receiver Malachi Corley. Now, Malachi Corley does kind of check some of the boxes, 5'10", so close. Um, 215 pounds, though, stocky build, all that. So I think he maybe at least checks one of the boxes for sure, uh, but doesn't check both. And in previous seasons, maybe the Saints would have passed on that, but we've been talking about how the Saints might need to find their Debo Samuel type. Malachi Corley's fit in the NFL is his ability to be that Debo Samuel type, to work out of the backfield. Uh, he had the most screen yards out of any player in the country last year when it came to uh, his draft class, all of that. That's a big part of what you're looking for in a Malachi Corley. And now if the draft fits are moving, it gives you the opportunity to get there and to land a big time playmaker at the position. Let's take a look at another one. We'll go to a hometown guy, two lanes, uh, Jaquan Jackson. Five foot nine, 190 pounds, had a fantastic practice week over at the Senior Bowl. Looked awesome, constantly making plays and not just making plays when his quarterback, Michael Pratt, over at Tulane was throwing to him over there in Mobile. He was making plays all week. And he's somebody that I know that the Saints met with. Got another one here. We go with uh, Texas A&M's Anaya Smith, five foot nine, 191 pounds, also a senior bowl participant. I'll give you one more. And this is a guy that I like a lot, uh, but originally would have never put on a mock draft for New Orleans. But next week, I might try to work him in because he's a big time playmaker. How about Virginia's Malik Washington? Five foot eight, 194 pounds is what he's listed as at Virginia. And you know, sometimes those school websites be, they, they kind of bulky up a little bit. But listen, Forced the most tackles amongst all wide receivers in his draft class last year with 35, okay? Or forced the most missed tackles, excuse me. Um, was targeted 138 times last year, so big-time dominator guy. Over 1,300 yards last year. 3.1 yards per route run. That's really, really good, especially for a guy like this that was great in contested catch situations despite his size. Over 60% contested catch rate. Had 11 contested catches last year. And caught the majority of his passes coming out of the slot. And he had all of that. So you're looking for a guy that you can get the hand, get what you're trying to do right now, especially with like knowing that Andrew Janoko is going to be here as a quarterback's coach. One of the things that you're looking for and with Clint Kubiak is going to be that quick passing game. And the idea behind the quick passing game is, can I get the ball in the hands of my playmaker so that all I'm doing is going for a high percentage throw of four yards, six yards downfield? 
but then that player can do the rest, right? Can make the play. Let me get that ball in the hands of my playmaker and let them be a playmaker. A guy like Malik Washington, a guy like Malachi Corley, a guy like Jaquan Jackson, Anaya Smith, playmakers. Playmakers. Some more than others, but playmakers. And now, all of a sudden, despite everything that we've known about the New Orleans Saints and their prototype at wide receiver, they could, with potential draft fit looks changing for this team, actually be in the running as potential draft picks for this team. So now when you see a playmaker that could fit in this scheme, you don't have to turn your head at it anymore because that player doesn't check the six foot plus 200 pound plus box. Now all of a sudden, that player has real potential to end up here in New Orleans. All right, y'all, thank you for being here for another episode and for making us your first listen of the day every day here on the Locked on Saints podcast. Don't forget for your second listen to go and check out our friends Locked on Pelicans and Locked on LSU. Humongous buzzer beater win over Kentucky for LSU men's basketball. You know, Caroline Fenton is pumped. It's going to be bringing it back to you. She might be as excited as I was to talk about contracts to break that game down. We appreciate you very much. As always, make it locked on Saints a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, please say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're moming them. And trust me, that nation, I'll holla at you.